0: It's Sunday morning. Time for The Great Outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN.
1: Good morning. Welcome to The Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio as we enter the week of Thanksgiving, which is across America, a huge week in the great outdoors. And so wherever you may be going, hopefully with your family, You have a great experience, whether you're going hunting or hiking or whatever you might be doing. It's kind of the last time in the outdoors before winter across much of the country settles in. And, of course, for many of you listening in the Upper Midwest, it's already settled in. I'm going to do the first part of the show this morning on a topic that, while it seems a long way from uh, Illinois and the Midwest, it, it, it actually isn't because it could affect all of us. And it's about the Great Salt Lake in Utah, which I've talked about before, and the problems that the Great Salt Lake is having. And I attended this week in Utah the uh, fourth annual Water Summit hosted by the Speaker of the House uh, in, in Utah, Brad Wilson, and then this year by Speaker Schultz. And it's to discuss what can be done in Utah to... Um, to save the Great Salt Lake from potentially disappearing and with it disap- having the quality of health across potentially a fair amount of America be impacted as well as, as certainly wildlife uh, on, a, on a huge scale. So I was reminded when I was at this conference, one of the speakers said, you may not feel connected to the Great Salt Lake, but your lungs are. So you think about that for a second. The Great Salt Lake is the largest inland sea, if you will, in the United States. 1,850 square miles is its basin. It has no outlet. And today it's hovering a little bit over 850 square miles. So there's almost 1,000 square miles of the Great Salt Lake Basin that is dry. And the Great Salt Lake a year ago hit its lowest levels in recorded history. Uh, it's up marginally this year, and that's because of the incredible snowpack in the mountains last year and runoff, and actually a cool, wet summer across much of Utah. So, why do we talk about this on the Great Outdoors Show in Chicago? We do talk about national conservation issues all the time, and I'd have to say this is potentially the biggest national conservation issue that we are going to be talking about for a long time until they solve the problem. So think about that statement. You may not feel connected to the Great Salt Lake, but your lungs are. The Great Salt Lake has naturally occurring arsenic in its lake bed. Arsenic that is in the soil that has been buried for tens of thousands of years, first under a sea of ice hundreds of thousands of years ago, and then just simply underwater. And now for the first time in, well, in hundreds of thousands of years, this much of this land is laying exposed. And when the wind blows, the dust goes up in the air, and tiny microscopic particles of arsenic and other debris, particu- part- particle matter, go up in the air, and it's not good to breathe. So the reason Utah and, frankly, neighboring states are in part so concerned is the drying up of the Great Salt Lake, while well, which it would be an economic catastrophe to Utah, and in fact, which you'll hear in a moment, to much of the country, um, it is a health crisis that we cannot have. So this summit was to discuss how the Great Salt Lake will avoid going dr- going dry or being mm-hmm. continued to be diminished to where it's just a, a just a tiny portion of itself. One of the efforts is to raise the awareness of the country, that this is one of America's greatest resources, and it is, in fact, one of America's greatest resources. And to that end, the state of Utah and others have financed an IMAX movie that will be coming out in a little over a year called Secrets of Great Salt Lake, which is to to hopefully have Americans across the country, young and old, become aware of the incredible magnificence and bounty of the Great Salt Lake and to celebrate all the great Salt Lake means to America, with everything from migratory birds from the northern all the way from the Arctic to Chile. It has it's the largest brine shrimp industry in the world. Brine shrimp is used in, in virtually almost all pet foods partic- and, and many other sources of foods. It's a it's a prime source of foods for fish. Uh, it, the brine shrimp industry in the Great Salt Lake is 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 worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And part of the problem with the lowering of the Great Salt Lake to a level that's less than half of what it it historically can be, Uh, and when I say historically, I mean in the last 50 years, 1,850 square miles underwater, is that the water chemistry is changing, and as the Great Salt Lake goes down, it becomes saltier. And one of the great misnomers about the Great Salt Lake is it is not all salt water at all. The northern part of the lake is completely freshwater, and then it goes to brackish, and then the southern part goes to salt. So the rivers that feed Great Salt Lake, the Jordan, the Weaver, and the Bear River, are all freshwater, mountain fed streams, rivers that feed the lake. But as the lake is going down, the salinity levels are going up, and brine shrimp are struggling. Not only that, Great Salt Lake has the largest and I believe the only magnesium mine in the United States. So it's important to industry, not only from a food perspective, but it's important to industry from a mineral perspective. And, of course, much of the salt that comes from America comes from the huge salt mines and the salt flats of the Great Salt Lake. That aside, what I learned at this conference, which was fascinating, is that the usage of Great Salt Lake water is over seventy five percent for agriculture and yet agriculture only contributes two and a half percent of the GDP to the state of Utah. So one might ask themselves how does how do you face a potential environmental and economic catastrophe which is largely the result of agriculture uses which only provides two and a half percent of your GDP for the state, and employs less than 1% of the people directly. That's a question that a number of people at the summit were asking, and it goes back to the very beginning of settlement in the West, which is water rights, and water rights were allocated to, to land, to farmers. Of course, all of the West was an agrarian state when it first was settled. So landowners, farmers, own the water rights. They have the right to use this water, But as times have changed, and and Utah is now the, percentage-wise, the fastest-growing state in America. Florida may have more people moving to it every day, but on a percentage basis, there is no state in America that for the last three years has more people moved to it than the state of Utah. Its population growth is explosive. So you have a state that for a long time was largely agrarian and rural, which is now becoming ever-urbanized, and the urban interests and the industrial interests have a big say in the future of water. And so what was pointed out at this summit is that the world is changing. Utah's water rights ensure that they belong to the landowner, but at what point will the time come when the landowner is going to forfeit those water rights assuming they would be compensated, forfeit forfeit those water rights so that society at large, on a much bigger basis, gets more water so the Great Salt Lake doesn't dry up. One of the ironies of this whole discussion is is that the Great Salt Lake, if Mother Nature, which has been extremely, they call it the millennial drought, from 2000 until a year ago, it was the driest 20-year period in recorded history in the state of Utah. And so much of the loss of water in Great Salt Lake is the result of Mother Nature not being very kind. So now we're in a period where the lake is low, the long-term trend has been for drier years, and there are no immediate solutions because there's no discussion as to how to meaningfully, and I mean very meaningfully, reduce the amount of water being consumed by both urban as well as agricultural interests was being discussed are sort of pecking at the edges without going to the core of the problem, which is an awful lot of water needs to get to the Great Salt Lake from the three rivers that feed it. So it was a phenomenal summit on on, on the point of view that, that what happens in Utah is going to affect us in Illinois and across America in air quality and wildlife and certainly Potentially in water, and when I come back from the break, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Colorado River, and and what is going on in the Colorado River. Which again, we sit here in Illinois and say, why do we care? We care a lot because California produces more agricultural products than any place on Earth, and if the Central Valley of California, the San Joaquin Valley, the Imperial Valley are not able to produce produce, we have a big problem. I'll be back with much more on the Great Outdoors Show in just a moment. First, though, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. You listen to Charlie Potter and the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720
0: WGN. Hiking, camping, and hunting, it's all an adventure in the great outdoors, but nature can be tough. You need to be ready for anything and everything. Chevy Silverado is built to handle the toughest conditions and get you everywhere you want to go worry-free. Silverado's designed to handle the big jobs. It's built for the great outdoors. With over 13,000 pounds of towing capacity and trailering sway control, Silverado can haul the biggest loads on the roughest roads and keep you cool as a Sunday drive. With eight available cameras and up to 14 different views, it can spot trouble before it gets to you. That's peace of mind. And when you're ready for the backcountry, Chevy Silverado 1500 ZR2 owns the off-road. You name it, we run over it. No wonder it's Motor Trend's 2023 four-wheeler pickup truck of the year. So see your Chicago Land and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and check out a Chevy Silverado. It's freedom to explore the great outdoors. It's Charlie
1: Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show, Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio, and I hope you're enjoying the discussion I had on the Great Salt Lake in Utah, and 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 why what happens in Utahs could affect all of us here in America, and it, it is a bit of a ticking time bomb with no with no clear solutions in the near term as to how water usage is going to be dramatically curtailed. Which brings me to the other part of the summit I attended, and that is the Colorado River. And I learned quite a bit. We all have heard of the Colorado River and its importance to uh, the West and water. What I learned was that in 1922, a compact was agreed to by the U.S. Congress that allocated the Colorado River water to various states, California, Utah, Arizona, Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, Nevada, and it allocated 19, just over 19 million acre-feet of water could be drawn from the river every year, and that also included water going to Mexico. What was pointed out recently is that allocation was a complete farce. The Colorado River seldom had 19 million acre-feet of water to be taken out of it. That the number picked was really more political because no one had to make hard decisions. And and they said, well, down the road, people will just have to deal with it. Well, here we are 101 years after that pact was signed, and we have real problems. The Colorado River is only flowing at about 14 million acre-feet can be taken out of it. And yet the allocation for these states is 19 million. The result is the water does not go there is no Colorado River going to Mexico. So even though we signed an agreement with Mexico over 100 years ago guaranteeing them they would get Colorado River water, the Colorado does not make it to the Sea of Cortez anymore. It's a dry, bone dry wash before it gets there. This once amazing river, one of the major arteries of the American West is is gone. In the meantime, our friends in California have been taking far more water than they were supposed to be taking. If there's 19 million acres was supposed to be available, California itself is taking over 12 million acres, according to what was reported. And the river itself only has 14 million acres in it of acre feet water to be taken, acre feet being one foot of water depth over one acre of flat land that's an acre foot of water so we have a situation today where colorado excuse me california is taking far more than they have been appropriated but because of the political clout representation of california population wise no one is willing to enforce what the original agreement was so in the conference in utah the question was asked california produces the vast majority of america's produce if california has to have the water to produce our produce or we're going to have huge food shortages why don't the states further up the colorado river which really have insignificant agriculture stop trying to produce so much agriculture to get more water to california So they can produce the agriculture that's needed to feed America, and Arizona has big has big agricultural production as well. That question went over like a lead balloon because water is a water right in the states, and and Colorado and Utah and those states are not about to let California take water from them that should be going to uh, to those states instead of going to as it has been California. So what I walked out of this meeting recognizing is we are about to enter a period of incredible strife over water in the West. We, we hear about it at a distance. We don't think it really affects us. Sitting here in Chicago on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, it affects us materially because if there's not ample water getting to the huge agricultural productions of California, we are not going to produce anywhere near the food that this country needs, and the price of food will skyrocket. Meanwhile, if there's not enough water getting into the Great Salt Lake, the Great Salt Lake is an environmental ticking time bomb. And as much as we love the birds and the fish and all the animals dependent on the Great Salt Lake, and it is truly magnificent. It's it's the major stopping over point for all kinds of shorebirds and songbirds and waterfowl and wetland birds in in the American West. It's critically important. If the Great Salt Lake does not have enough water, it is an environmental bomb that is going to go off. And people living, the millions that live on the Wasatch Front in Utah will have their life severely compromised, if not the fact they might have to move. So sitting here in Illinois, where we have more water than we know what to do with at times, we, um, we are not focused on the fact that our neighbors to the West are actually facing critical decisions which will affect life and the quality of life in America. That's what I came out of Utah with. Am I hopeful? Yes, I'm very hopeful we'll solve the problems. Do I think there's the political will today to solve them? Absolutely not. I don't think there's the political will at all today to solve them. Do I think it will come? I think it will come. And I do think Utah will work its way out of this problem, that we won't end up with a crisis in the Great Salt Lake, but we're not there yet. And so enjoy the water we have here in Illinois. It's abundant and it's largely free. We're very lucky. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Great Outdoor Show. This is Charlie Potter and the Orto Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.